Well, God, today we pray that we would understand the reality that we've been set free. That God, one day you would return, that at the trumpet sound that all your people would rise and they would be joined with you. And God, I thank you for the fact that we have a promised hope. We have life in Christ and we know that you can work in and through us, that you can take what has been broken, what has been beat down, what has been destroyed by sin and you can make us right in your eyes. And so God, I pray today that we would understand what it means to be battle ready what it means to let the walls fall, what it means to walk in obedience to you. And so God, I pray today that your word would speak truth to us, that your spirit would move and have his way today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Joshua chapter five. We're gonna be in Joshua chapter five and uh, we're not gonna go verse by verse in the past what we've done. Uh, We're gonna be skipping around uh, a little bit, but we're gonna be in Joshua chapter five and chapter six today. And I wanna preface something as we jump into it. There's something important that's about to take place. And if you remember last week, it talked about consecrating themselves for tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things. And it said that that day that the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all of Israel, in order to be battle ready, they crossed the Jordan last week after crossing the Jordan, being obedient to what God had had done for them, what God had called them to do. He told them, hey, you're going to take the ark. And as the ark enters in the Jordan, the water's going to stop. It's going to be gathered up. The rest is going to flow down and you're going to cross the Jordan. All the people cross the Jordan and then they take out the 12 stones and they do it to remember and they set up those 12 stones in Gilgal to remember that the Lord had delivered him, to remind him of that. And as we think about being battle ready, that was just the beginning of God doing something great. That was just the, the river that they were to cross into the promised land. And as they cross into the promised land, now they're going to come into uh, what we'll call some conflict. They're going to run into some people that they're going to be overwhelmed by to a certain extent, but at the same time, they're going to see God's blessing in that. All right, and so we, before we read, I want to give you what's going on. In chapter five, you'll see this thing called the circumcision at Gilgal, and it's God preparing his people to move forward. And this idea is this, that, that before God would move, God calls them to be obedient to his word. In other words, though they were supposed to be circumcised, but for 40 years, nobody had been circumcised. And so God comes to Joshua and he says, hey, I want you to circumcise everybody who hasn't been circumcised as a response or an obedience to show that you are committed to to my ways, that you are being obedient to what I've called you to do. And so obedience is the first step. So we're not going to look at that. I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. But I want you to understand what God's doing is God is preparing his people to be battle ready to move forward. All right? And a lot of times what we like in, 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 a, in a certain way is we love the battles. At least from my standpoint, I'm a person, I love military history. Obviously been in the military, I love that. I love war history. I love to study what, tick, to what, what started things and how things got to where they are. I love to study about generals and, and, and things like that. I love to read that stuff. Matter of fact, I've got a book uh, I love to read on special operations stuff. I got a book at home that I read through not too long ago about all of these true stories about special warfare operators from the Army, from the Marines, from Air Force, from Navy, all of these guys and the stories and, and the medals these guys earned and the, the, the valor they took on. And I'm just like, man, that's awesome. But I want you to think about this. In the midst of being battle ready, God has to do something in his people. He has to prepare his people for what they're going to come up against. 
You know, in boot camp, one of the things they told us over and over and over again was forget what you know. We're going to teach you everything you need to be. Basically, in other words, everything your mom and dad told you, forget it. That's what they said. Forget it. Because we're going to make you into what we want you to be. What we need you to be here in, you know, at that time in the Navy, that's what they were going to do. And I want you to think about what's taking place because God is preparing his people to go into battle in in chapter 5. And then we're going to jump into chapter 5, verse 13, and we're going to read along. So I'm going to read just verses 13 through 15, and then when we jump to each section, I'll read that. So listen to what takes place in chapter 5, verse 13. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho... He looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Now, if I don't know if that would uh, literally make you nervous, you've just crossed the Jordan River. You're kind of scouting out what's going on. You're getting ready to go see the city of Jericho, the walls of Jericho. And he crosses and he's getting near Jericho and he looks up and he sees a dude in his way with a sword. Not just a sword. He's not just carrying a sword. But what's he doing? It's, it's drawn. He has he unsheathed the sword, and he's standing there in Joshua's way. <laughs> and I love Joshua's question. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us, or are you for our enemies? Now, that's the common standard, right? Like, are you against me, or are you for me? Are you, are you, are you coming to fight me, or are you coming to battle with me? Because there's a big situation, there's a big difference between somebody who's got your back and somebody who's going to take you on, right? There's a big difference in how you approach that person and listen to what takes place. Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell, what did he fall? Face down to the ground in reverence. And he asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. I want to ask you this question. Have you ever thought to yourself, what would my life be like if God called me to lead people into the promised land? How would you have responded? Would you have cowered in fear or would you have stepped up like Joshua and Caleb? Would you have listened to the others and let them influence you or would you have followed God in obedience or would you have been one of those ones who went against the flow, who said, you know what, I'm not going to follow all you 10 guys. I'm going to follow what God has done because the reality is most of us like to paint ourselves in the situation of Joshua and Caleb when the truth is most of us usually would fall in line with the other 10. But I want you to think about this even further. In the midst of being obedient and everything goes on, Joshua and Caleb were obedient, but everybody else, because of their disobedience, causes not just Joshua and Caleb, but all of the people of Israel to now wander for 40 years. And they've wandered for 40 years. They've now crossed the Jordan. They're going to go in and take the promised land. And what is the first first thing they come up against? A fortified city that seemed to be impenetrable. A city that they were supposed to take that in the mind's eye or in human's eye would be something that you would say, there is no way that's ever going to happen. So this morning, we're going to be looking at this popular story of, uh, about the Israelite people and the first battle they faced. But I want you to think about this. The first city they come to after crossing Jordan is Jericho. It was considered one of the greatest walled fortresses of all times and a military citadel unparalleled in those days. 
It is said that the walls were so thick that the chariots could actually traverse across the top of it. So we're not talking about something you see on TV where the walls were only so wide where the guys who were running by barely had room to get by the guys who were protecting the wall. They said that the walls were so thick the chariots could literally drive across the top of it. This is not something easy. As a matter of fact, if you can think about it, it's almost like an idea of Fort Knox. Impenetrable. No way to get in. Once those doors are locked and shut, you are in there and you're not getting out and the people who are out aren't getting in. And so there's a beautiful story that we're going to begin to unpack and see because from a human perspective, it was considered an unconquerable city. It was improbable, it was impenetrable, and it was impossible to even begin to think about what could happen. But I want to ask you also this. What is it that could be your Jericho? See, what is it that shouts at you in defiance when you think about it? If not for me, you'd have made it. All your dreams stop cold when you cross that path. Maybe you look at this wall and you think, oh my gosh, there's no way I can overcome it. It may be something like finances. It could be broken marriage. It could be broken family. It could be addictions. It could be all of those things that when you begin to look at it, you're like, there is no way. That is so impenetrable. There's no way to conquer. There's no way to overcome it. And your perspective has become so skewed because your eye becomes focused on the wall rather than on the God that can take out the wall. And so as you begin to think about that, as you begin to understand what's taking place, you have to identify what is your Jericho. And maybe it's this, this besetting sin that seems to haunt you that you can't seem to get the victory over. You can't seem to overcome it. And so as we jump into this battle-ready thing, and as we look at this thing where we talk about the walls coming down, let the walls come down, you have to begin to ask, what is it that is a wall in my life that is keeping me from, listen, seeing God the way he should be seen rather than looking at the walls and seeing God beyond that. Because that's usually how we do it. We look at the walls and we see God beyond and we're like, God, what the heck? Instead, we should be looking at God and seeing the walls through God. And when we look at walls through God, then everything changes. So if you remember anything, I want you to remember this. When God leads us into battle, we must keep our eyes on him trusting him and obeying him in every detail. So when God leads us into battle, we must keep our eyes on him, trusting him and obeying him in every detail. That is why we read what we read earlier in Psalm chapter 119. The idea, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. There's this obedience mentality that has to take place in order to overcome the walls that we are going to face in life. Now, listen, there's a story here that is trying to communicate a truth. And then there's the application that we can learn from. And the application is this, that when you look at this big picture, this story is not about you. This story is about God delivering the people of Israel. But the application side is this, in the midst of what's going on, the walls that I face in my life I can begin to look at God first and then the walls, or I can look at walls and be so overwhelmed by the walls that I neglect what God wants me to do. And so we remember this, that when God leads us into battle, that we must keep our eyes on him, trusting him, and obeying him in every detail. Every detail is important. Because if we miss out on just one small detail, we miss out on the benefit of obedience. If we're disobedient in one part, then we're disobedient in all things. 
You can't obey just part of it and disobey some of it and then say, well, I was obedient because the truth is you weren't obedient. There's still disobedience. So when God leads us into battle, we must keep our eyes on him, trusting him and obeying him in every detail. So here's the question. How do we win the battles that God takes us to? Because I'm telling you this, every single person here and even every single person who's not here, you are going to be taken through battles and to battles that you can't overcome. Let me say that again. You are going to be taken to battles and through battles that you can't overcome. It's not possible. I've always heard, you hear it said, God won't take you to it unless he's going to deliver you through it. God won't give you more than you can handle. Yeah, he will. God won't give you more than he can handle. Yeah, no, yeah. More than you can handle, sorry. God won't give you more than you can handle. That's completely false. Because when you look at the Israelite people and they look at the walls of Jericho, is that more than they could handle? You better believe it. Because they're sitting there going, oh, uh, did somebody, did somebody kind of give God a heads up about this place? You know, the, the scout's going out looking at it, and they're like, uh, do you realize how big these walls are? I mean, that's usually what we do. God, I'm not sure you realize how big a battle this is. So how do we win the battles that God takes us to? Number one, we start with worship, and that's why we read this first part. Listen to what takes place again. Joshua was nearing Jericho. I have no doubt he's going out to scout. He's got to get his, his stuff in order. He's got to plan a good general, a good leader. is going to be a person who knows the situation. He knows the scenario, knows what he's facing. He's got to make the decisions. And so Joshua begins to approach the walls of Jericho. He looks up and he sees a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And the first question he asks is, are you for us or are you against us? And that's usually the first thing. God, are you for me or are you against me? Because if you were for me, you sure as heck wouldn't be taking me to this battle. You wouldn't be putting me up against these walls. And what does God say to him? Neither. I'm not for you or against you right now. And there's a lesson to be learned here is that oftentimes we look and we, we base if God is for us or against us based upon the circumstances we face. Well, God must not be for me because this happened or God is for me because this did happen. And when we look at that and we begin to go, well, if God isn't for me, then he's against me, then you start to come up with factors like this. Well, divorce happened. God must not be real because you know what? If God was really real, he wouldn't allow the divorce to happen. Or God must not be real because I got an addiction problem. No, it's called sin. Everything in your life is a result of the sin that you have in your life. And it's not that God is against you. It's the fact that you let sin overrule God in everything that goes on. You got a choice. It's kind of the old school cartoon thing, right? You got the little, what, the little red devil over here. You got the little white angel over here. You know right from wrong. The Bible says you know right from wrong. You can understand and discern right from wrong based upon God's word. But when it comes down to it, you have a choice. I can either choose to go the wrong way or I can choose to go the right way. I can choose to go the disobedient way or I can choose to be obedient to what God has called me to do. So we begin to understand that we have to be obedient. But how do we win the battles God takes us to? We have to start with worship. And that's what I love what happens. Joshua asks this question and he says neither. See, many times we think that God is against someone. 
based upon their lifestyle, their choices, their circumstances, and everything else, when God is for his own purpose. Do you ever realize that God will take you to things that you can't handle on your own so that maybe you can be strengthened and encouraged and equipped for something later down the road because God wants to build you up into the person he's called you to be? Every trial, every trouble, every obstacle, every difficulty you face is a chance for God to show his goodness and his greatness, to work in and through your life. The problem is most of the times we look at the wall first and see God off in the distance instead of looking at the wall through God. Our perspective is wrong. And so we have to start with worship. If we want to do some great things, you have to begin to worship. You start at worship. And what we have to begin to understand is this. He says, neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Now, he's not talking about an angel. Matter of fact, if that was an angel, when Joshua fell to his knees, that angel would have been like, whoa, 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 bro, you better get up because you're worshiping the wrong dude. This is the commander of the Lord's army. As a matter of fact, it's what we would call a, a, a theophany. It's like where God shows up. Jesus shows up pre-incarnate because he hasn't been born as Jesus Christ in human form, but he's showing up. The commander of the Lord's army, the Lord God Almighty, the Lord of hosts, he shows up and he's standing there before Joshua and he says, I'm not for either. I'm about God's purpose. I'm about my plan. I'm about the direction I'm going to go and what I want to do in and through you. And the beauty of it is, is the minute or the second that the commander of the Lord's army, the Lord himself, says who he is, what does Joshua do? It says he fell face down to the ground in reverence. And he immediately asks, what does my Lord have for this servant? Every obstacle, every difficulty, every wall that you face, you should fall face down in worship and say, God, what do you have for me in this point in time? It's not easy. It's going to be overbearing. It's going to seem impossible. It's going to be one of those things that you face and you're going to be like, what the heck do I do now? Because I am at my wit's end. And the truth of the matter is this, it starts with worship. Worship is just a carryover of what God has done in and through you. Worship is a result, I believe, of reading, spending time in the Word. Worship is a result of letting God work in and through you. Worship is a result of spending time singing about who God is and what He's did. Worship is a result about meditating on His Word and thinking about His Word day in and day out. Do you sit back and think about what you read or do you just read through it? I mean, it would be better to read a smaller section of Scripture and think about it and ask God, God, what do you have for me than to read a lot of Scripture and then go, well, I didn't get anything from it. You have to start with worship. It all starts with worship. When the people of Israel worshiped God and had him first and foremost, the people of Israel were successful. When the people of Israel put God on the back burner, guess what ends up happening? All hell breaks loose. They lost it. They went their own way. They chased after their own things. And matter of fact, you're going to see, and we're not, we're not going to necessarily cover this, but I want, to, I want to just highlight it. If you go on and read the end of chapter 6 and part of chapter 7, because of disobedience, the people of Israel suffered again. They go in, they defeat Jericho. Woo, everything's great. God gives them specific things to do, but one person, 
Just one. All it takes is one. You have to begin to understand that. All it takes is one. One person disobeyed what God had set up for that person to do or what what God had set up for the whole nation of Israel to do and the whole nation suffers. They go on to take the city of Ai out and in the midst of going to take the city of Ai, they're routed because a guy named Achan kept some of the finer things when they were told not to. And as a result of sin, the people of Israel suffer. So begin to understand that we start with worship. In the New Testament, I want you to, to, to just picture this out. The commander of the Lord's army, Joshua's looking at this obstacle before him, but now he sees face to face with the Lord and he falls prostrate in reverence. And I want you to understand that God desires worship first. A lot of times we think, well, God, I want to conquer these great, huge obstacles and walls, but I'm not willing to be obedient to the worship aspect. I don't put you first and foremost in everything, and you're never going to conquer the walls if you don't focus on worship first. Worship is just simply your act of, of, of offering your body. Matter of fact, Romans chapter 12 says, offering our bodies is a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And so he sees the Lord Almighty. He puts his eyes on the Lord. He bows face down to the ground in reverence. And he says, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And I want you to think about this in a big picture is in the New Testament, when Peter walked on the water, Peter was able to accomplish something great because his eyes were on who? Jesus. But when his eyes went to the waves or to the shore, when he took his eyes off Jesus, what happens? Yeah. Now, I sure would like to walk on water. But the reality is this. Do you keep your eyes on Jesus in the midst of the obstacles, in the midst of the walls, or do you let your eyes wander? Because the minute your eyes wander, guess what happens? You start to sink. That's the beauty of what we see going on in this section of Scripture. So when the people of, of God, the people of Israel kept their eyes on Jesus and worship was first and foremost, then guess what? They were successful. When they took their eyes off of God, they began to sink. See, the place is holy. It's where God met with his chosen leader. And holiness is literally a manifestation of the divine presence of God throughout the Bible. And so this big thing here is that obedience is the number one thing we can do in worship. So when he falls face down to the ground in reverence and asks him, what does the Lord have for my servant? He literally says, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy. God desires holiness, not sacrifice. Over and over and over again, he, he sets this up that if you are obedient and you are holy and you are set apart because you are called to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, when you are that, you will be successful. But when you are not, when you don't focus on holiness, you don't focus on obedience, you will not be successful. So some of us today may be having problems with walls and obstacles that are so huge because we're not focused on holiness and worship and obedience. We're focused on the obstacle or wall before us. And you're doing anything and everything you can to try and overcome the wall except focus and put your eyes on Jesus first and foremost. See, I know what it's like. We like to work hard. When we work hard, we're successful. When we're successful, we take credit, right? Usually, that's the way it goes. Man, look what I did. The truth of the matter is when you face obstacles that are impossible, impregnable, impossible to overcome, 
There's only one way you can do it because you can't do it on your own. You can only do it through the strength and power and grace of Jesus. So worship takes our eyes off the size of the walls and puts them back on Jesus. And that's what I love about this. When we worship, we don't look at the size of the wall, the size of the obstacle we're facing. We look at that wall and we say, my God can overcome that wall. My God can deliver me from that obstacle. My God can deliver me from that sin, that addiction, that torment, that hatred, that bigotry. It may be even the fact that my God can deliver my marriage back to where it's supposed to be instead of where it is currently now. And so we begin to understand that God has so much more, and so we start with worship. How do we win the battles that God takes us to? Number one, we start with worship. Number two, we have to follow God's instructions. If you flip over to chapter six, verse one, it says this, now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. So they're saying, look, we saw what happened. We saw you cross the Jordan. We saw everything that's gone on. Israel is, is, is coming to the doors and Jericho is shut up as tight as it can get. Nobody's getting out, nobody's getting in. For me, that's a very simple thing because we had these things called quick-acting watertight doors and we had watertight doors on a ship. And the whole point was to make sure that if water was in one area, it wasn't gonna get into another area so that that way the ship can stay afloat and we can get back to port and everybody's somewhat fine as long as you're not trapped in that area that got flooded. This thing's going nowhere. There's nobody getting out, nobody getting in. And all I can picture is Joshua's going, all right, these walls are thick. We got battering rams. We got, we can make ladders. Maybe we get some grappling hooks with some ropes. We can like Navy seal stuff up there and we'll climb up and we'll, we'll have to do it. Joshua's got all kinds of things he's going through in his mind. And listen to what the Lord says in verse two. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its kings and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men and do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark, and on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout, then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up, every man straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and he said to them, take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry, trump carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the people to advance, to march around the city with the armed guard, going ahead of the ark of the Lord. And when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carried the seven trumpets before the Lord, went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed. All of this, or all this time, the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua would command the people, don't give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, and then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once, and then the people returned to camp and spent the night there. How are we to be successful, or how do we win the battles that God takes us to? Number one, we said we start with worship. Number two, that we follow God's instructions. I don't know why follow is not on there. I absolutely don't know, but I obviously deleted it. So we follow God's instructions. I obviously need proofreading time, all right? But we follow God's instructions. 
Jericho is that first battle that the people of Israel are going to take part in. And Joshua and Caleb, they spent 40 years wandering. You can imagine in your mind, if you had spent 40 years wandering and you were going to come into a promised land, you would no doubt in your mind have an idea of how the battle has to go. 40 years to plan a battle. Joshua's thinking all these things. Battering ram, ladder, grappling hooks, what are we going to do? And what's the Lord say? Go march around the city. Now, in my mind, I'm sitting here thinking, what? You're nuts. But listen, how do we win the battles that God takes us to? We follow God's instructions. When God tells you to do something, you do it. How do I know if God's telling me to do something? Guess what you need to know? You need to spend more time reading God's word. You need to understand God's word. You need to understand how it relates and applies to you. You need to begin to take that in. As I take it in, now I can begin to move forward with what God has called me to do. But they were to march around the city one time a day for six days with armed men leading the way, with the trumpets going on, but they weren't to shout. Can you imagine? Could you imagine literally, I mean, if you watch VeggieTales, you know what, you, you, you maybe have, have seen it. They're marching around, uh, you know, they're marching around the walls and you got the little peas up on the wall going, ha ha, losers, you guys, you're stupid, you're dumb. I mean, you can imagine what's going on most likely in the, in the minds of the, the people of the city of Jericho. These guys have absolutely lost their minds. What do they think they're doing marching around the city? It was said that you could march around the city in a couple hours. This is not even that big a deal. It didn't take them all day. Smaller city, big, huge walls, fortified. They march around the city, blowing the horns, get done with day one, go back to camp. Day two comes, march around the city, blow the horns, get done, go back to camp. Day three comes, march around the city, blow the horns, get done, Go back to camp. Do you see the repetitions going on here? After a while, somebody in Israel might be going, now, hold on a second here. That's getting a little carried away, Joshua. I'm not so sure you're the brightest light bulb of the bunch. Are you really sure that God said to do this? What did the people of Israel do? They followed God's instruction. When you face a battle and you face an obstacle you face something that you can't overcome on your own. You follow God's instruction because you can't do it on your own. No matter how hard you try, you can't overcome sin on your own. No matter how good you think you are, no matter how much money you think you can offer, no matter what you do in the church, the only way you overcome sin is through the power of Jesus Christ because of his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross by putting my faith and trust in him. That's the biggest obstacle you will ever face. And so many people think, well, I'll just throw that ladder of good works up there and I'll climb that wall myself. Man, I should have got a ladder, put it up there, and I could have. See how ludicrous that almost sounds at times? Follow God's instructions. So they were to march around it for six days, and on the seventh day, they were going to blow the horn, and after they blow the horn, they would give out a yell. See, some of the stuff we are most intimidated by, the obstacles we face, the problems we face as well become so overwhelming because we look at the size of the wall. And what I want to tell you is this, that your perspective of the wall has to change. I believe wholeheartedly that this was God testing their obedience 
because it's always easy to say you have faith. But when it comes down to the, where the rubber meets the road, you show it through obeying whatever God says. I show my faith by doing what God says to do. You have faith, I have works. You show me by faith, your faith by, by doing that, but I'll show you my faith by what? Good deeds. James plays that out. See, I, I believe this, and you can write this down if you want to. Fear is looking at God through your problems. Faith is looking at your problems through God. Fear is looking at God through your problems. Faith is looking at your problems through God. Matter of fact, we got this little frosted glass up here. Let's just say this frosted glass is fear. Your perspective is going to be skewed, isn't it? Because you can't see what's behind there. If you've been here in the past, you know what's behind there. But you can't see what's behind there. And if this is fear, when I look through this to my problem, I can't even begin to see, or to God, I can't even see God. But if I was to look at the problem through God, I can see clearly that God, through God, I can overcome all the obstacles, all the problems, and all the difficulties I face. It's only through him. It's only through his power, through his grace, and through his mercy. So I have to begin to look at fear in a different way because fear is looking at God through your problems while faith is looking at your problems through God. We have to begin to understand that. And we, there, there are just too many of us who spend our whole lives gazing up the walls of Jericho and saying, it can't be done, it can't be done, it can't be done, I can't overcome it. I'm just going to have to live with that, that problem. I'm just going to have to live with this, this situation. I'm just going to have to live with this pain, this thorn, this addiction, whatever it is. I'm just going to have to live with it. And there are some things, based upon what we even see through Paul in 2 Corinthians, that God says, look, my grace is sufficient for you. You're going to have to live through that. But I want you to understand that. He's, the reason he says my grace is sufficient is because his, through his grace, you can overcome all things. So when I struggle with an addiction, it's through his grace that I can overcome. When I'm struggling in marriage, it's through his grace that I can strengthen his marriage. When I'm struggling financially and I can't make ends meet, it's through the grace of God that I can overcome those things and learn to live smart. He gives us all of those answers through his word. So how do we win the battles God takes us to? Number one, we start with worship. Number two, we follow God's instructions, and that's what Joshua and the people of Israel. Number three is this. We have to complete the task faithfully. We complete the task faithfully. Remember, they were told to march around six days, and on the seventh day, they were to march around at how many times? Seven times. And then, at that point, the trumpet would blow, and they were supposed to yell, right? If at any point in that time they disobey or they skip a step, let's just say, they, oh, we don't need to do that step, what does that reflect? That reflects disobedience in their heart. But they weren't disobedient. They completed the task faithfully. And the beauty about it is this. The highest most impossible, impenetrable walls that they faced, the difficulties, the obstacles that, that was before them. They looked through the lens of God. They saw the problem. They saw the obstacle. And as a result of looking through God, being obedient to God, and completing the task faithfully, they see the walls fall down. 
That's the truth of the story that we begin to see. So how do we overcome the battles or how do we win the battles that God takes us to? We have to complete the task faithfully. See, their faith and perseverance are being tested and that is exactly what God did. Every day they woke up, seven days in a row, basically doing the same thing. And on the seventh day, they did it seven times. See, the reason they experienced the victory is because they were faithful in the process all the way to the end. And I want to ask you this, church. Are we faithful in the process all the way to the end? Because if you're not faithful in the process, if we don't complete the task faithfully, we will never be successful spiritually. We will never change this community change a state, change a city, change a state, change a nation, or change the world if we're not faithful in completing the task, period. So the question is, are we completing the task faithfully? Are we doing what God has called us to do? Are we gonna stay obedient to the cause that he wants to do in and through us? See, faith doesn't make things easy, does it? Faith never makes things easy. It makes impossible things possible. Faith doesn't make things easy. It makes impossible things possible because you begin to look at the obstacle through the lens of God first and foremost. And we begin to say, well, God's called me to it. I guess we're going to do it. If he has called you to do something, all you can do is walk in obedience. As I walk in obedience, obeying him by worshiping him first, doing and following his instructions and completing the task faithfully, guess what happens? Walls come down. Obstacles that were huge before aren't so huge anymore because we begin to see the obstacle through the lens of what God can do in and through us rather than what the obstacle looks like in our own power. Those walls of Jericho, no way. Any old regular army was going to get through those walls. And what I love about the story is the people didn't even raise a weapon. Not a battering ram, not, I mean, I'm just thinking of all those things, how kings would try and take on these cities. Not a single battering ram, not a single horse-drawn carriage to try and pull them, not grappling hooks, not men coming over the top, not firebombs from the outside and we'll burn them out, none of that. The walls fall down. And that's the beauty of what takes place. Look at verses 15 through 20. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and they marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. And only Rahab, remember Rahab the prostitute, the unlikely person that God would use in unlikely ways to bring about the birth of of Jesus eventually. And all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to a destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go to his treasury. And when the trumpet sounded, the people shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, what happened to the walls? The wall collapsed. 
So every man charged straight in and they took the city. See, the truth of the matter is, thankfully, they didn't lose faith in the process. They didn't lose faith in the situation that God had called them to. They didn't lose faith in the direction God had called them to, but rather they followed the direction that God, and they walked around Jericho. And so you can look at the walls and the obstacles before you, and I have some good news and I have some bad news concerning the spiritual battle that each and every one of us fight and fight every day, day in and day out. The bad news is you can't win the battle. No matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you think you're going to work, no matter how hard you're going to be committed to it, you can't win the battle. The good news is this, that Jesus has already won the war. If you're born again, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have access to the warrior, the one who stood before Joshua at that point and said, I'm not for you or against you. You have access to that warrior who will help you overcome everybody. So you can't do it, but he can. Every battle, every obstacle, every wall that you face can be torn down by Jesus through working in you as a result of you spending time in worship, as a result of you being obedient to what he's called you to do, to follow his word, and as a result of you being faithful to the task that he has called you to faithfully. That is the big picture. The Lord can defeat and overcome those walls for you, and he will walk you through the process. But your faith will be tested, your fear will be tried, and all we are called to do is to stay obedient in the process and that God will help us overcome those insurmountable odds. And so maybe the truth is this, if you're struggling with these battles, maybe it's health, you can't win. Maybe it's finances, can't win. Maybe it's marriage, you can't win. Maybe it's other friendships or relationships in your family. You can't win. Maybe it's an addiction. You can't win. Maybe it's sin. All of those are a result of sin, and you can't win. But you can put your faith and trust in Jesus. You can look at the obstacles through the lens of God, and you can overcome those obstacles when you're obedient to what he's called you to do, and you've remained faithful to accomplish the task that he's called you to do. So I want you to think about that. In the walls of Jericho, so many times we become so overwhelmed by the walls we face in our life, so overwhelmed by the obstacles that just seem so impossible. And the same God who helped them overcome to break down those walls for the city of Jericho is the same God we worship and serve today our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, who tore down the greatest wall that was ever set up for mankind. And the beauty of that is this. There's not a single stone remaining in that wall. It's gone. It didn't just fall down. Like, he blew that sucker up. And so the promise is this. God said, I will take you to trials I will take you to battles. I will take you to walls that you cannot overcome on your own. That's a given. And I will be right there beside you. I will be the strength that encourages you. And I will be the one who gets you over those walls because I will break those down. You can't do it, but he can. That's the promise and hope that Jesus offers to each and every one of us in life. 
And that's the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we know that the reason we experience victory is because we can be faithful in the process. But God, I pray today that in the midst of maybe some of the walls, the obstacles, the barriers that, one, that, that we have run into in our lives, God, that we would stop looking at the size of the obstacle. We would not let fear become a way because when we look through that lens of fear, we see the obstacle first and we don't see God. But when we walk by faith, we see God and we see the obstacle through God knowing that it can be overcome. Not by our strength, not by our power, not by our commitment, not by our good works, not by any of that, but by the fact that we have remained faithful and obedient to what you have called us to do. And so, God, I pray that just as there may be some here today who are facing walls and obstacles that seem insurmountable and overwhelming, God, may we be people who walk obediently, and we walk obediently because we have spent our time in worship. God, may we worship you for who you are, the one who has delivered us from our sins through your death of Jesus on the cross through his burial and resurrection that offers us life. God, may we walk obediently and and accomplish the task that you have given us to go and make disciples, to see people hear the truth of the gospel and respond to the truth of the gospel. May our church not be comfortable with where we're at, but God, may we be comfortably uncomfortable, consistently trying to reach our friends, our coworkers, and our neighbors with the truth of the gospel. God, we know that all the walls and obstacles we face cannot be overcome on our own. But that God, through your son, Jesus Christ, through the power of your spirit, God, that we can do those things, not in our own power, but in your power. God, we put our faith and trust in you. We believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, for the sins of the world, that any and all who believe, who put their faith and trust in Christ would be saved. That if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, God, you said that we would be saved. And so maybe the biggest obstacle somebody faces here today is just that simple obstacle of belief, faith, thinking that they can do it by good works and good deeds. God, we know that you have broken down that wall All it takes is us for for us to believe, to follow you, to put our faith and trust in you. Father, maybe there are some here today, they've got their faith in in you nailed down, but God, we know that there are some obstacles that seem impossible. Whether it's an addiction, a broken marriage, maybe it's family issues, maybe it's finances, maybe it's jobs. Whatever those obstacles are, God, we can overcome them. But we overcome them with you and through you. So Father, today as we close with this song, may we understand what it means to be battle ready and to walk by faith and let our walls come down. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.